1: Yo, yo, it's your boy, OG Arabian Prince from the world's most dangerous group, NWA, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. And if you ain't a rebel, you need to be a rebel on Rebel Radio. Yeah. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Oh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did
0: you say? Rebel Radio?
1: Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio.
0: What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week we have a very special guest, the OG, Arabian Prince. He was a co-founder of NWA. uh, He has a long career as a solo artist and producer. He's been involved in animation and the movie business. He's a tech entrepreneur. Uh, He's got a new venture that I want you to check out called COVID Tech, that he's co-founded and he's providing PPE and and other COVID support to small to medium-sized businesses. Really cool thing happening there, and uh, we have just a great conversation. We talk about music, of course, um, and a lot of the uh, shared love we have uh, for that. We talk, we get into some race, some politics. Obviously, man coming from NWA and who's been through as much as he's seen. Um, I wanted to really dig into his perspective on a lot of that, and then um, uh, as you'll see, you know, he had a very clear vision for the business, and and he's got some good lessons on how that's carried him through the decisions he's made over the years. So it's it's a great interview. I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, Let's get into it.
1: We did a song that talked about an issue. And no one hurt really listened to us back then. they listened listening to it now, you know, 37 years later. But mm-hmm. it's like people are going to use it both ways. And it's just for sure. whatever it is. And then if you have an opinion, to state your opinion to make you feel better. And so people know where you stand. But people, you know, music is, is free for the people. So that's what that's it right. is. Yeah. Well, let's dig into that. Okay, man. I'm, I'm
0: excited to finally meet you. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, I've been following you forever. Um, I still got my copy. of she she's got a big posse wow. somewhere around here, yeah. Um, and, uh, and and obviously, you know, it's being neighbors. So, take me back to the very beginning. Do you remember the first record you ever bought?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny you you asked that question. Um, I just did something for uh, a thing in Germany and I had to do all these B-sides and we talked about that. The first record, I was actually with my boy Egyptian Lover and I had just got my car, like Mm. I was 16 years old. And now, mind you, this is the first record I bought. Mm -hmm. Like I had vinyl that I acquired from people. But I'm like, I got my car, we're going to Tower Records on Sunset, right? and my car was a 76 Mercury Capri with okay. a stick shift. And what I didn't know is when you go up La Cienega, right before you get the sunset, <laughs> you know I got that hill?
0: Yeah,
1: man. Oh man, so we got on that hill and I was like, and I got stopped like halfway up. And I'm like, I'm talking to each of them like, what do I do? So like, Just gun it. <laughs> so I ended up getting there. Anyway, long story short, my first records, there was, was a few, I remember buying uh, Depeche Mode, ABC, Look of Love. Mm-hmm and grace jones like pull up to the bumper oh wow those were my first like vinyl yeah because they were 12 inches and i was getting them and back in the early 80s when i started djing rap had just started everything was you know you were a dj you play pop you played whatever was on the radio top 40 so
0: for sure that's great man that's that's a great start i mean those songs yeah uh it's and it's and it's funny you know because i was thinking about you know you and your history and you know I think the average person sort of thinks as NWA as the beginning of West Coast rap. Right, right. I don't know. like, and, and obviously we know, you know, there was a oh, there yeah, was more, a, a rich more. culture, you oh, yeah. know, with King T and Toddy T and Mixed Master Spade and yeah, yeah. you know, Wrecking Crew and yeah, yeah. what you were doing with JJ Fat and and you know all like there was there yeah, was, was a lot there
1: was, there was a lot before
0: that yeah uh, people obviously Ice-T. right but but. Then all of a sudden, like, NWA happens and kind of, like, overshadows everything else that was going on, and and um, it's, it's interesting. Well, so, you know, what I was thinking about is, like, you were making a different type of music, and Dre, and like, yeah. it was more of that electro thing, right? It was b-board right. music. Yeah. And even, I, you know, I was talking to somebody on Facebook the other day about Reckless and, and like how Ice-T is known for something totally different. But right. to me, that's one of the b-boy classics of oh, all yeah. time, right? Like, And um, so I'm wondering, what did that teach you about just the way that trends change?
1: Um, you know what, it, it, It's it's the inner cities. Like, you know, when you're young, you follow the trends. Like even today, mm-hmm. you know, the music, Changes with the culture, and when we were young, when we like when we were born, it was the disco kind of you know R and B soul era, mm-hmm. and then when we got in elementary school, then it was like we were talking about the the the, the Pet modes the it was the punk, the ska, you know the top forty, all of that stuff, along with funk and all of yeah. that kind of thing, but then pop locking, breaking you know electric boogaloo that whole thing that's that was us that sure. was like what we were into so that's what we were doing and then when the whole thing I, we saw the change like with uncle jam's army i used to dj with yeah, yeah. Egyptian Lover and all those casts. we would do all the dances we saw the shift from party music to gangster rap because the gang thing started to happen and that yeah. changed the culture and that changed the mood of the city so we changed with the mood of the city sure yeah
0: Yeah. uh, So, how'd you get started? So, you were DJing first?
1: Yeah. I was um, like, my father had a a talk radio show on K Ace Radio in LA. Okay. And I used to go down there when he had the talk radio show on the weekend. I think it was Sunday because none of the DJs were there. Sunday was like all talk radio. So, I got to sit in the other control room where the DJs (laughs) would do the music stuff and we'll play with that at like 12, 13, 14 years old. And, became like really good at mixing and doing the little mixtapes and I would sell them at school so everybody identified me as the DJ and then I started doing the little school dances from there and you know that's was my history is doing that and I talked some guy and let me have my own little teen club called the Cave over in Lenox. Mm-hmm. and um yeah that's how I came up and a lot of the DJs who became the big radio cats and um and doing music like Dre and Egypt and all of us used to come to my little club and um, that's how we got kind of got started.
0: Mm-hmm. And then and then how did that turn into to producing? Yeah,
1: so that was even crazier because um, Egypt and um, Uncle Jam's Army had bought an 808 drum machine and nobody knew how to use it. So Egypt had it at his house and I would go by there and we'd mess around with it. And because of that drum machine, when they would do shows, DJing shows, they would play the drum machine, and people would keep dancing, and then they would chant on top of it and say mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And from that, they were like, "Man, we could probably make a record because people ain't don't know the difference." Sure. And they say "I know, They're like, hey, man, we're gonna make a record." I'm like, "What?" And then I used to hang out with Dre and Yella and Lanza from the Wrecking Crew as well, and they were like, well, "We about to make a record." I'm like. But I wasn't really in a crew. I was down with everybody. I was down with them. I was down with, you know, the Wrecking crew. I was down with, like, even um, the L.A. Dream team. I did stuff with everybody. I was, like, the mm-hmm. little tech dude that knew how to run all the stuff so everybody would hang out with me. And I'm like, well, shit, I want to make a record, too. So I ended up saving up 500 bucks and getting some money from a dude I worked for. And going in the studio by myself, man, and figuring it out on my own, like I had never been in the recording studio. my mom's was a piano teacher, so I knew how to play, mm-hmm. but I had never done anything and went in the studio and made my first song called strange life
0: mm-hmm. um it's funny, so my my boy James Andrews likes to say that uh that the djs were the first tech entrepreneurs yeah right and and because you know you, you had to be able to make the equipment work and you had to figure out stuff that you know and it's, we didn't have splice and yeah. you know fl studio and nah. all the stuff that we do now that you know my my 10 year old can make a beat um but you had to really be in there and and figuring stuff out um so you know i know you work i'm jumping ahead a little bit but, yeah, but yeah. i know you're really involved in in tech right now um how do, wh- what do you see as the, the similarities
1: well, for me, the similarity was this, and I tell people today you can pick up an iPad or your cell phone and make beats and do music or whatever you want. When we started, if you if you weren't, and I'm not trying to do disservice to you know digital producers at all because I'm a you know electronic producer, mm-hmm. um, if, unless you were a real musician, I mean, played a drum, bass, guitar, piano, something like that in order for you to create a song, you literally needed to learn technology because you had to learn how to work a sequencer. You had to learn MIDI and Sempty and even something called CV gate that a lot of people don't even know about. (laughs) You had to be able to sync all this stuff together to a 24-track tape recorder to be able to do that. And it was hard to do in the 80s. And we had to learn that. And when you learn that, that was some technological, uh, technological knowledge that you could take into other stuff. Mm-hmm. And once I got into it, it was like, well, I had to get a computer to do this. Oh, now I got a computer, let me teach myself coding. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can do animation, sprite animation, and then eventually 3D animation. So a lot of things, I was doing other stuff with the computers than only music. And I was really passionate about video games. So I've been actually working on video games since the late 80s. So you know, I crazy. got in early. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's crazy. Check it out, y'all. I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor to the show. Uh, this one's great. I have suffered from allergies my entire life as a kid, as an adult. I've been to pretty much every type of specialist you can think of, from natural remedies to medicine to... Uh, I haven't gone to see a witch doctor. Maybe that's next. Anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm always i am very concerned about my health. I do a lot to try to take care of myself Um, and you know more more recently I've become really excited about testing because I found that I can get information that tells me about what's going on in my body and my health and I can use that to make choices in my life so help me welcome Everly Well to the show Everly Well offers over 30 at home lab tests. Um, I just signed up for the allergy test like I said that's been an issue for me but they have all kind of other things they have food sensitivity STDs if that's your thing um, you know heart health metabolism testosterone all, all so many different things uh, the test is shipped to your door comes with really easy to follow instructions I ordered mine it showed up to my house I did the sample sent it off it took me less than five minutes to do the whole thing could not have been easier. Once you send it back, they process it in a certified lab and they send you the results within just days. I'm waiting on my results now. I might share them with you depending on what, uh, what it says. It might be private, I don't know. Let's find out, but, um, but I'm excited to get it back. They, they have a digital platform that breaks down exactly what the results mean for you. Um, so if you wanna start learning more about your health like I did, check out Everly Well at home lab test today. For twenty percent off an Everly Well at Home Lab test, visit everlywell.com slash Rebel Radio and use the code Rebel Radio. That's EverlyWell.com slash Rebel Radio, code Rebel Radio for twenty percent off your tests. Everly well at home lab test, your answers your way. Um so okay, so you made strange love. Yeah. And um and and then you know obviously we know uh, the the NWA story yeah. um and uh so you left over the business
1: yeah i left over the business man um our manager jerry heller you know got involved our 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 NWA union was very simple it was a bunch of homies that got together and started making music you know there were no contracts between us it right. was just an understanding like We get together. We go in the studio. We do do music, and then everybody shares in the wealth. Like here's here's your boxes of records. Here's Mm -hmm. your boxes of records. Here's your cassettes. You go out and sell them. Whatever you make from that, that's your money. Right. Hey, that's easy. But then when we got structure and got a manager in place, those things changed, and the greed took over because all the money started going to him, and the money wasn't coming the other way, and it was always an excuse why you couldn't get your money. Oh well you know, we need to do this. Oh, talk to easy or you know, like we had to go through that and the how I figured it out was the fact that I had JJ Fad Supersonic, a song that I had paid for and I had produced mm. and put out. And it was already a hit. Sure. And I took it away from Dream Team Records because I was having some issues with payments over there and brought it to ruthless Records, which was supposed to be our record label. And I said, Hey, let me bring this in here And we share in the success of this record to help build NWA and Ruthless Records and everything else. So I even you know, allowed Dre and Yella's name to be put on it because we were a production team even Mm -hmm. though I did the song by myself. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't getting paid from it. So I kept having questions about that, even more so than NWA because we had just started that. And Jerry never had an answer for me. So I got me an attorney, went in there and took care of my business and and left and I remember telling Cube and Dre them what was going on and early on they didn't really get it because of the fame. You know, fame yeah. kind of clouds you. Just sure, a little sure, bit. Sure. everybody's having a good time, you're touring, you got a big record, you're getting a little bit of money, but it wasn't what you were supposed to be getting. Right. And after I did my deal and got paid, I think they kind of saw like, "Hey, wait a minute. He got money. We need to take care of that too." And that, that was kind of like the end of the group.
0: Yeah. Um so, tell me about that decision. So, you, so you went off on your own. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know you made some records, but then you, like, you said you start getting involved in other things. Yeah. So, was there a moment where you're like, you know, I'm gonna shift gears, uh, or, or did it did it just happen? Like, I'm, I'm wondering. You know, like we can look back at your career now. You've done all this amazing stuff in different industries. Yeah. But like, was that the plan? from day one or was it more just kind of let it flow
1: no it was day one because I was doing it at the same time but yeah. I always told people it wasn't cool and hip to be a gangster rapper or a rapper in general and be a tech nerd right I was doing it a lot of people were watching me do it and there was no social media so you couldn't talk about it anyway Mm -hmm. I was just making video games and I did the you know the visual effects on the first season of the Power Rangers and um, Casper and Adam's family and then went on the motion pictures and television shows and then I started doing video games and I was doing this while I was touring and performing and making records and I realized on the film and TV side and on the gaming side they pay you A lot of money and they pay you now because they don't want any mess ups they ain't trying to hide nothing they like here here's i was i had a um what you would call a render farm way back then rendering animation for saban Mm -hmm. for a lot of their shows Mm -hmm. and i was dude i was making a gang of money just doing that and it was kind of like it opened my eyes why am i chasing record companies right to get a little bit of money when i'm doing this and i'm making a ton of money and you know just keep going and keep going and, and i just started doing both i said it, it almost turned out to be music i was doing for fun because mm-hmm. was so hard to get record companies to pay you sure and i had the technology side as a full-blown career yeah
0: yeah man i you know the record business the history of the record business is about shady contracts yeah. and, and always has been and still is financials yeah. still is you know um and it's funny because you, you know what you just said like you know, I remember. So I used to manage Dub C. Yeah. Um, before that, when I, you know, I met him a couple of years before that, I interviewed him for something, and he said, um, you know, he said if if I couldn't do music as a career, I would still make music every weekend. Yeah. Right. And and uh, and I think that's a, I, it's a weird thing, right? Because you start out, every musician starts out make working for free. Um. And then at some point it becomes a business and uh and then usually the business gets fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and then and maybe it gets fixed you know later down the road or whatever but but I think you know we uh, we people who make music not we you. Yeah. Like it's like it seems like you can't not do it but then at the same time uh to try to do it as your career your sole source of income is like now you're thrown into all this craziness that has nothing to do with the music.
1: Yeah, and, and I think too, like I teach music business classes now. Oh, is that right? I, yeah, I teach for um, Point Blank Music Academy. Oh, cool. And it's one of those things, the reason I wanted to do the music business class is one thing that people forget when they get into the music business, they get into the music, but they forget about the business. Now, like, right. there's another whole word in that, you know, thing like That's right. music business. so you can't do half you got to do the whole thing in order to be successful and i'm really passionate about this next generation of upcoming creators that they need to understand you got to protect yourself your music and your business because people will find any little in to take your money or keep your money or get a portion of your money you know if you don't take care of it so it's a crazy
0: world yeah um so y- you, uh, so you got you're involved in all these other businesses, yep. um, and you know you're like how can I say it? Like you have your own thing, but you're also Arabian Prince from NWA, right? Right, and and so how do you how how does that how does it play out? I mean, we're now thirty years later. Yeah. However, however long it's been. Damn, like forty years later. It's uh, crazy, Yeah, I guess it. so. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, the you know the music, especially "Fuck the Police," is, yeah. is maybe more relevant today than than it's ever been. But it's never been not. It's never gone away. Right. Um. So, how do you decide when to make that kind of Bring that more to the forefront of your story and what you're doing, versus when to kind of like, I'm not saying hide it, but yeah. like, but you know, obviously it's not the entirety of your story either.
1: No, nah, but it, it's all part of it. So what I what I I've learned to do is, you know, and I I I take a quote from you know Donald Trump, right? <laughs> I always like to quote him because he's always making quotes about things. And, sure, and he's like, we're, we're at war, and yeah. like he's at war with you know with everything you know he's war with covid he's at <laughs> right, war right, right. with yeah, of course. yeah with with illegal aliens and you know we're at war with people rights and we're at war with segregation and poverty and all kind of things man and you got to attack them from all different sides nwa we attacked it head-on you know with the police and what was happening in the inner cities and, and the wrongdoings and stuff like that but now i have the opportunity because of what I do in technology and education to attack it from another side. So we got the younger generation out there on the streets now doing what we were doing 30 years ago. Sure. I don't need to be on the streets anymore doing that, but I wanna make sure that I do my part with educating the next generation and making sure they're protected and making sure that they have the tools you know, to make a career. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether it's in technology, whether it's in music or entertainment, because one thing I say, you're going to have the people out there that loot and do those things because they're either idiots. But you got a lot of people out there doing it because they're hungry. They ain't got nothing. For sure. But the moment you get something, then you take that person out of that equation. I wasn't out there looting because right. I got too much to lose. Right. So you give something, somebody something to lose, then they like, I ah, nah, ain't me. You didn't see too many rappers out there looting. You know what I'm saying? Because sure. they've already crossed over. Of course. So my job is to try and cross over as many people as I possibly can so that they don't get caught up in that system. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the big companies got to step up and the problem I always have with the big companies and I say it every day and I talk to my partner companies is everybody, when something goes on, they jump on and donate and check the box. Look what we've done. They get They get the return on the investment. They don't do it quietly they do it to her oh yeah we gave a 100 million look at us right check that box but a month or two down the road they quiet down and everything's back now my thing is if you're going to jump on this train that's moving so fast you can't hop off you on for the whole ride and you in order to keep this thing going and moving fast you got to stay on the ride and that's what i'm out there you know preaching
0: so so help me solve that right because i I have the same reaction. I yeah. see, you know, I see this company, you know, I, we saw all the all the black squares on everybody's yeah. Instagram, you know, last week or a couple of weeks ago. The donations, the uh, you know, there's a bunch of promotions, right? If right. if you're it's a good time to be a black executive in corporate America. Let me say it's a better time. Right. Than yeah. than it was, it was 2 months ago, right? Yeah. Cuz you're probably going to get promoted in a very high profile way with a oh, press yeah. release and all of that right um but usually that's it like you said they want to jump off that train and get back to to making money right yeah um what what should they do what do you want to see them do
1: i just want to see them be fair about it like don't hire somebody just because they're black just because they're a person of color or a minority or something like that but at the same time Look not only at that one person. Look at your whole department and see how many people you might have passed over because of something. Like man, like this dude been here for a while and he's been kicking ass, but people have been passing him up. Let me go research that. Let me go do my due diligence and and, and see if there was some wrongdoing within my department or within my companies, and try to rectify it and make sure that that never happens again. Like my my whole thing is, I'm proud to be black. I'm proud have been part of a movement and to still be part of a movement but all that anybody on this planet wants who is a minority is to be treated equal you know what i'm saying like just look at me as a human being mm-hmm. look at me as exactly like you if i'm smarter than you if i'm better suited for something than you i should be able to get it and not you of course of course and that's all that anybody's asking but people try to twist that like oh here you go now all the black people are gonna get promoted and this and that because of this it's not because of that it should be because it shouldn't even be a statement like that it should just be like hey let's just put everything on a level playing field and try to monitor that
0: yeah I, I agree and I, and I think it's it's you know it's such a uh, convoluted argument right yeah. like meaning um, you know, back to what you just said. Well, how many people got promoted, got hired, just because they were white? Yeah, just because they came from a certain school, you know th- that that had uh, you know that had racially biased admission policies, right? So. You know, at a certain point, you know, the, the entire Harvard, you know, graduating class was white and then those people got good jobs and and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's um it's not I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, you're we're never starting with a clean slate. No. We have centuries and, you know, of history that's gotten us to this point.
1: Yeah, and biased and um systematic racism because I, I said something and I'm not going to mention the companies or, you know, what I'm talking about. But let's say, okay, somebody came to me. It's like, I'm looking for somebody for this position. And I'm like, I know the perf- person that's perfect for that. And I says, you just got to take them how they are. But this is the guy you want, you know. And they didn't take that guy because he didn't wear a suit and a tie. Mm-hmm. And he didn't look like a person that could have been a CEO of this particular company. Sure. They got a guy who had a suit and tie who had a college degree, but knew nothing about dealing with the issues that they needed. Right. And it's not going to work. Sure. You know what I mean? If you got to go, if you want somebody to, to build a swimming pool for you, you got to find somebody who know how to build swimming pools. Not somebody who looks like they know how to build swimming pools. You know, you got to find somebody yeah. who knows how to for do sure. it. For so, sure. um, but,
0: but that's why I say it's complicated because, you know, look, some things are not complicated. Right. Right. It, you know, cops shouldn't be killing people. Other than a last resort, right, right. Um, I think it's, there's certain lines that are really easy to draw. Other lines, uh, you know, what, what you're talking about is like is the issue of bias or prejudice, right? And sometimes that's racial, but sometimes it's it's it can be so many things. It get, you know, there's statistics that like taller people, there's more CEOs over six feet, right, right. And like that's that's a crazy. That's not there's no systemic prejudice against yeah, yeah. short people right right but there's something in 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 people's brains yeah it's more of a, this
1: person has more of a presence Absolutely, right. there you go right yeah
0: and so and i'm not you know anybody listening i'm not yeah, equating wave. yeah I understand. you know blah 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 right, right? I, whatever i'm but uh but i'm saying that there's 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 bias in everything yeah right and i think you know the um and so when we talk about these movements or this moment we're having you know what i find is that like it there's work to be done to to get a common understanding of what's the goal right because ridding the world of bias is not realistic yeah right because there's all this bias that we don't even realize we have or that you know whatever i i I look at you in a red sweatshirt and and i feel a certain type of way depending on you know so and that's never going to go away. Right. Right. And w- we can each work on ourselves to get better at it, et cetera, but it's never going to be eliminated. And so um, that's where I see, you know, I- I'm curious about with what's happening in the world, like where is all this going to take us? Yeah. Right? right now, uh, you know, as we're talking, you know, Aunt Jemima pancake syrup is coming yeah, off the show. Yeah, man. Right? So, well,
1: I, I want to talk about that. Can we talk about that one for a minute? See, we can. now... <laughs> Can y'all ask somebody before you give her to ancient Mima? Come on. Now, I heard they already fixed her once. Like, they took the little do-rag oh, yeah, off yeah, her head right. and it made her look better. I was happy about that. But, you know, like certain things, like, leave her on the bottom. We, we don't have enough black people on bottles as it is. You know, change your name to Aunt Johnson or something if you worried about this. That's, that thing. Right. But don't just get rid of it because, I mean, I, I think certain things are okay. You know, even though it may have started off wrong, you guys did something to, to correct it, we get it. You know, but I think sometimes people want to go too far and over the top and just bring somebody in and do a poll, do a poll, like ask ask a black, I would say, ask a black person, (laughs) like get the right one, you know, but.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? Is, is, so, you know, let's assume, uh, you know, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but not too much. Yeah. I'm assuming they're trying to do the right thing in this moment and then get off the train, right? Get back to, to business. Right. Right. And. You know, and if you if you look at my feed, there's some people that are like, "Well, it's too late. Yeah. We don't fuck with you, no matter what you do." And, yeah. Which is also like, I mean, w- 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 what do you want, right? Yeah. You, like, can can nobody ever be redeemed? Because right. I, I think people can they be. didn't get it right from the beginning. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think you know what Snoop Dogg said something a week or two ago because you know he's real critical of Trump and he said something about because he just realized that he could vote you know Snoop was like man I can vote oh, yeah. I didn't know I could vote and he said something and I hope I'm quoting him close to what he was saying that you know I understand if you voted for Trump the first time that's cool but if you vote for him again fuck you
0: right. <laughs> you know what i'm
1: saying like right. now that you see who you dealing with right nobody knew back then what was gonna happen they decided oh, trumpy you know blah 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 let's give him a try because he's not a politician mm-hmm. but now that you see what he's about if you voting for him fuck you and that's what you know snoop said and it's, it's kind of that like if somebody did something wrong okay good example they brought shaq in to papa john's mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and shaq was saying because i've been following his new show about people been sending him hate mail and saying, how could you do this? How you? He said, because because I'm here to change. Yeah. I'm here to make change. I came in to fix this. Right. What do you want us to just alienate it? Nah, we got to fix these things. And that's my point is, I'm trying to figure out if everybody does a little bit of something, can't nobody fix the whole thing? This mm-hmm. may never get fixed to the end of time, because like you said, there's going to be biased to the sure. end of time. But if I can fix a piece, somebody else can fix a piece, And we can save a life here, save a life there, change the way somebody thinks here and there, then eventually we'll get there. And I often say this, and I'm old, you know, I say this, all us old people are going to eventually die, who are probably most of the problem. Most of the problem is the old people that have been here forever. Once all of these old politicians die off, and the younger generation comes up with their utopia there's going to be a huge change. And this is the first, The thing what we're seeing now is the beginning of that. Yeah. You know, and I think
0: it's going to happen. We all got to do our little bit of a part. No, I think you're right. And, and, it, you know, but the weird part of that is that like, we seem to care and we humans, like we seem to care like college age. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, I went to UCLA, there was like hunger strikes and shit on campus at the time. And I'm like, well, y'all, you guys care too much. like, I, I don't even but whatever that was but my point is like people get really active then in what's going on in their world which is kind of like you wake up from being a kid and yeah. as a kid you're totally in just your own thing and then you look around you go oh there's there's problems out there right and then we forget for our 20s 30s because we get busy with our own lives we're trying to have families and right. careers and whatever and then you see you know like you said the politicians they're in their 50s 60s 70s 80s yeah like this, and they're stuck in the old ways right? right um and so i think you know part of it is what, what what makes me happy right now is it seems like people in that 20s 30s 40s are starting to wake up and realize that they need to get involved with what's going on out there in the world um you know at the same time i remember you know i there was i saw a clip last night from 92 when I, the news was asking ren and easy no, it was Ren and Cube to, like, tell people to stop rioting.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and Ren was like, what y'all want me to say? Like, Yeah. But, you know, but also I'm like, this guy's 24. I don't know how old he was at the time. Like, how is he, how is he supposed to be, uh, you know, how is he to, the role model that you're turning to to tell people how to, to act, right? Right. Like you know it, it, I mean you know obviously you guys were in the public eye you were celebrities at that point but you're also still young men trying to figure out who you are yeah and um, and I, I don't know that you know I don't know that we should be looking to our young rappers to tell us how to act um, I don't know yeah, right. I'm, I'm not sure we should look at anybody I, to tell us
1: no right. no like even dave chappelle was like y'all telling me to go say something like right. what can i do like right. it don't nobody want to hear from me right it's it's their time now let them i'm gonna say what i'm gonna say when it's time for me to say something or i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do to do my part of it but yeah. let them go do that and I'll, I'll you know everybody's gonna handle it a little bit i got some some technology stuff i'm working on yeah tell to, me about that oh man i got some new apps that we're doing i you know i partnered with a uh, some other tech and bio friends of mine, and we're doing this thing called Covatech, okay. a new company to help smaller companies, moms and pops, inner cities, to kind of get the stuff that they need during this COVID environment, because that's another thing. Big companies can get whatever they want. Big governments can get whatever they want, but sure. inner cities, moms and pops can't get anything, so we want to help do that. And then I started looking at um, rights of people. And basically, one of the problems is people don't know their rights. When it comes to dealing with police officers, not even sure. even like security guards at like Walmart, you know, what I mean? I'm seeing like incidents where like people get shot yeah, by security sure. guards at Walmart yeah. or stopped for different things, and and if people knew their rights more, it could quell a lot of these incidents. And if even police, I'm finding out a lot of police don't even know the law; mm-hmm. they assume right without actually knowing. And then when someone who knows the law opposes them, then it escalates because they get mad. And then person is saying, "No, I'm just exercising my rights. If you don't call your superior and find out what you, what I'm saying to you, don't get pissed off and try to harass me or harass me." Just if everybody is on the same playing field and understand, we can save a lot of people's lives. And that's one of my new issues right now. My newfound loves is tackling that. Like, how can we get everybody on the same playing field? And I think that police officers and law enforcement in general, want just like us, when we was in school, we learned. As soon as you got out of school, you forgot everything you learned in school because you ain't using it. Of course. So same with police officers. They learn all this stuff. They read. Then when they go, finish and they graduate and they get on the on the force, they're not recalling all right. of that legal information that they learned. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that's part of it. There should be like, weekly or monthly refresh courses on like hey okay you're dealing with the public every day remember these are their rights these are things that y'all can't do you know and stuff like that but they're not doing that so we got to tell them we got to you know there's got to be oversight but there's also got to be technology companies and and knowledge bases
0: that are getting involved in this as well so if you're enjoying this one Let's go back into Rebel Radio archives. One of my first, uh, one of my first interviews. Another West Coast legend, my man AMG. We get in the studio talking about you know what it was like having a, a big hit record, a true underground hit record where there wasn't really radio play. There, were, you know, videos didn't play the kind of role that they do today. Uh, and this man made it happen in the clubs and in the streets and and uh, exciting stuff. So go back and check that one out. After you finish up here, what do you think? So, so you spend a lot of time with tech companies. Yeah. Um, What should tech companies learn from the rap game, and vice versa?
1: Um, Well, one thing I say is go look to the inner city, man, Mm -hmm. and I call it black gold, man. There's a lot of ideas. And a lot of things coming out of the inner city, coming out of the rap game, you know, in general, coming out of athletes and entertainers that can help, that can make a lot of money, that can change things. A lot of big money goes into startup companies. And most of these startup companies are people coming out of colleges and universities. And, you know, the number is crazy that maybe 90% of every startup fails. So you're talking about trillions of dollars or billions of dollars that just go down the toilet. You know, and sure. give somebody else a shot. And if you look at, um, uh, I always forget his name, um, the guy who's now the creative director for Louis Vuitton. Um, oh, Virgil. Virgil. Yeah. Virgil Abloh, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, where he came from, you know, in yeah. his design and, and building Off-White and mm-hmm. other people from the inner cities who create freaking massive, massive companies from nothing no investments no nothing they just right. because they're hungry and i figure if you got somebody that's hungry and you give them a little bit of money or you give them resources you're going to get a thousand fold out of something instead of giving 15 million dollars to some kids out of college yeah. that may have an idea but they're not really hungry
0: but see that sounds like the rap game to me like i remember hearing you know one time that you know i think major labels 95 percent of their releases lost money yeah right and then they have five five percent of the hits that you know cover everything. Cover else, everything right? else. That's correct. And I remember hearing that, like, well, how, how could that be a business, right? And but but at the same time, right? If you especially back then, if you looked in the streets, you guys were selling out of the trunk, too short of selling out of the trunk. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody was losing money. Nope. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like every it, you might have a small business, but it's still profitable. Yeah you know, Master P doing his thing, right? And so it's not until the investors come in, the banks come in and start throwing money into things that things actually start losing money.
1: There you go, there you go. And that's what I said, you know, you go in the inner cities And you give a little bit of money and some structure and teach them how to build something and take it to that next level with the hustle side. Because, like, even me today, I don't need to penny pinch or or save on stuff, but I've always done it. I've always figured out how to use intellectual properties to make me money without Mm -hmm. spending money, you know, no matter what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then I look at somebody else doing exactly the same thing. Oh, man, we just raised $20 million. What the hell for And then you go to their office, their brand new office. And I I tell students this all the time. I'm like, when I talk to startups, I'm like, don't buy a waterfall wall. And I (laughs) tell this story. This is a funny story. So I go to this startup in Santa Monica. They had a party launching their new thing, showing Mm -hmm. off their new office. I'm in there talking to somebody, and I'm leaning on the wall, and my arm is wet. I look over, I'm like, why is my arm wet? I look up and there's a waterfall rolling down the wall into some like rocks and some lights. Uh-huh. And I'm like, damn, how much does this cost? Like they're a startup. They haven't even put their product out, but they got a waterfall wall. Their priorities are screwed. That's like two engineers that you could have paid for by doing this. For sure. So that's my mentality is take the mentality of the inner cities. They building something from nothing. Yeah. And coming up. Look at all the rappers that's millionaires now. Look at all these social media influencers that's little kids, 14 year old kids is making millions of dollars yeah ain't nobody giving them no money they figured it out and i think big companies have to understand that there's other ways to you know make money
0: yeah no that's absolutely right yeah um how much are you still inspired by music
1: dude every day i still work on music every day i'm actually working on um i did some stuff with uh because i'm in all kind of music if you listen to my music it's not just hip-hop you know i was in i'm in the dance rock i'm in everything man i'm just that dude i love music and i did some stuff with uh the group ministry Mm -hmm. al jorgensen the ministry you know crazy Crazy. industrial rock i don't even think he likes the word industrial rock but he's just you know that's my boy and we did some stuff and um we talked last week and i was like man i want to do something like i want to say some stuff like on record but i don't want to really do rap you know I just want to do something so me and him are going to be working on something with nice. uh ministry and with Al Jorgensen no, put cool. some stuff out and just talk about what's going on right now because you know I gotta say this so ever since I was 12 13 14 years old like I grew up in Compton and my mom's put me in Catholic school to keep me out of trouble so you know people who know about Catholic school actually Catholic schools are worse than public schools because <laughs> I can say this too you know in public schools the teachers in the faculty faculty were kind of up on what was going on Mm -hmm. because it's a public school they got to be up on it yeah catholic schools the nuns and priests didn't know what was going on so we was doing all kind of dirt nobody knew but walking home from school wearing catholic school clothes a tie a green jacket and some salt and pepper pants at 13 years old i was still getting pulled over by the police for no reason back then yeah and from then until now at the age of 55 to this day, I've been pulled over or stopped more than 200 times I can imagine. And I've only gotten one ticket, yeah. never been to jail, been taken to jail because of NWA and some other crap, but mm-hmm. never been to jail or been arrested. So that's gotta say that there's something wrong. I pull up to my spot sure. in my car sometime and they, they pull up behind me going into my garage and make up something to ask me a question. So mm-hmm. it, it's gotta change, man. A lot of things gotta change. Absolutely. I'm like skinny said I know intended that's man and you made them everybody say I'm happy if you try to me you should find everybody cover
0: Oh so you're talking about you're talking about the music so what yeah. uh, what what do you listen to?
1: <laughs> it's funny man I like listening to old so I'm a huge craft work guy still and you know rest in peace yeah Florian Snyder um I'm a huge parliament funkadelic head these are my influences Prince craft parliament funkadelic so daily when I'm rolling in the car that's like my playlist I, I tune into regular radio to kind of keep up on what's going on but that's what I'm into but recently man I've gone and been studying Sly Stone mm. for the simple fact that one, I feel sorry, man, on how his career ended, you know, because his drugs just took over with him, man, yeah. and like now he's still living and got ripped off, And but talk about a genius, because his style of music was so different, he created this thing, and even when they talk about how he created things, he wasn't the greatest musician, he wasn't the greatest writer, most of his songs kind of say the same thing over and over, it's not like a, he's writing even some deep lyrics, yeah. he did, mind you, but I'm just saying, it was just this thing, and when I listened to it, the riffs he created. Like, Larry Graham said that for, um, if you want me to stay, I thought Larry Graham did that bass line. No, but Sly, Larry Graham mm-hmm. said he was doing something, and Sly came and said, "No, nah, do this, and came up with this really intricate, over-the-top bass line that was not even something that a bass player would play. But because he wasn't a bass player, it worked. And I'm like, so. that's what I like, is people just always creating outside the box.
0: I mean, it's interesting you, you mentioned sly stone and prince yeah because i think there's you know i think prince there's a lot of sly in prince
1: oh yeah oh hell yeah it is
0: um and it's funny you know you know prince it's hard to have an interview where prince doesn't come up um not to, you know because his, i think his influence yeah is so vast oh, yeah. um although he didn't he didn't understand hip-hop until no. much later or maybe at all yeah um but it's understandable yeah. that, that wasn't his world um is it is it is that going to happen again
1: oh another one of those kind of people they're out there they? you know i'm following them and on social and, and okay. on youtube i'm finding these these little diamonds in the rough like i'm i can't remember some of them names like i i really fa- okay so a friend of mine um uncle is um oh my god my brain I'm, I'm on a keto diet man my brain don't work <laughs> like it normally works when i'm on carbs like no carbs <laughs> will kill you the horn player um oh man the white horn player that's dope um oh shit it's gonna come to me i had to look it on my phone but anyway um he's got his little sessions now where he does these old sessions okay and there's this this girl man from down in new Orleans that's like a jazz singer mm-hmm. man she's killing it but she can sing anything like mm-hmm. on top of this on top of that so i'm following her i'm following this girl named um uh what is her name too so i'm telling you man my brain right now <laughs> dog <laughs> it's it's she's the one that plays all her music by herself and she loops it on stage uh, that's cool and, and she's like freaking killing it you know so really? i watch stuff like that and then you know i just try to find something different breath of fresh air and yeah. this in you know, a world of commercialization of music.
0: Yeah, and that's what I worry about, right, is is, you know, even even NWA, right? Like, you know, Straight Outta Compton yeah. was was the record that, you know, pushed pushed it over the top. Right. But, you know, how long had you guys been making music before that? Oh
1: my right? god, like 5, 6 years before that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh and, and and that's what and so I you know i think every every musician that changed the world right in in any significant kind of way they had that five sometimes to ten year period yeah right where nobody really knew who they were or they weren't who they were yeah the top of their game That's right top right and so i think that period is necessary and and i don't know if musicians are being allowed to have that today yeah right because everybody finds out about you too quick
1: yeah and they do and then you have to like in order to be hit sometimes you got to fall into a category of what's hot right now yeah sure. and, oh not to oh, tosh sultana okay that's the girl okay <laughs> And David Sanborn. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. those are the two names I was trying to come up with. It took a while to find them in the vault. Nice. But yeah, it's it's true, man. It's really, really true. And that's why I said, I think we got to get back to breaking the stereotypes because, and I hate to sound like the old dude, like the uncles or your grandfather when you were young, like, yeah, when we went to school, we used to walk uphill both ways in the snow, you know, with no shoes. You know, I don't want to be that guy like that when we were rappers, but it's true. When we were rapping, and hip hop first started, you could identify artists. You knew the, what the Beastie Boys sound like, yeah. what LL Cool J sound like, what NWA with Public Enemy. Everybody had an identity. Mm-hmm. There was really never two artists that sounded alike. Right. Everybody had their thing. Now it's a lot harder to listen to music and understand who it is. You gotta, who is that? And they, Oh, okay. But I think I'm seeing a change because on the EDM side, EDM has become a lot less epic. Remember, EDM Mm -hmm. used to be this epic thing with drops. And then you had, like, this weird thing where you had, like, the Chainsmokers and Calvin Harris's, which were a lot different than the normal EDM. You had, you know, um, Skrillex and, you know, you got Marshmallow. You got – it's a whole different environment on the EDM side now, right, that's changing things up. Yeah. And – um. Oh, did you, one of my, our boys he used to live in the building. He just moved out. Um, oh, my God. What was his name? Um, Dr. Fresh. I don't know oh, if yeah. You know Dr. He used to live yeah, in the yeah. building. Is that right? Yeah, he just moved. Oh, that's he, funny. parked right next to me. I didn't know. I thought he was his other cat named Slushy. Okay. Because he had green hair. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, this fool got green hair. He's that's familiar. Funny. But, yeah, he's out there doing things. And the crazy thing about Dr. Fresh, I had never heard of him, right? And he's like, man, we got some synergy. I'm like, what? And he said, here, go check out this on YouTube and he had taken Gangsta Gangsta and remixed it oh, wow. into like this instrumental uh-huh. and cutting up Easy's vocals and had like AMGs in Russia like uh-huh. driving crazy. Man, I think got like 90 million views. Wow. And I'm like Gangsta Gangsta didn't even get 90 million <laughs> views. Like, damn. So it's sure. a different world. Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: Um, is there anything you, you miss about that that time?
1: Um, You know what I miss? I miss the fact that you couldn't really really engage with people personally back then you know especially being an artist you would get off stage and talk to people and and kind of just be out there we used to do the smaller clubs even Mm -hmm. when we got big you would go do the smaller events Mm -hmm. or go Mm -hmm. you know i remember we'd come off a tour and we would go to this place called a casa in downtown Atlanta and just fall in and be cool i I think a lot of artists can't do that no more it's it's too dangerous you know so much is going on man and I think that's going to change too is just you know like crime in general like black on black crime or just you know hate and man, that's just gotta stop man i'm too old for it and even as young younger people kind of get it too and everybody got a camera now so i think that sure. we're starting to see that people are going to see everything and people got to yeah. understand that you can't hide no more right yeah
0: yeah i mean uh you know i think of all the shit we did as kids it wasn't you know they might not have been felonies but they are definitely things oh, i don't yeah, want on man. camera
1: oh yeah no 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 uh, it's crazy we dude. didn't have to think about that yeah you know? it's
0: it's crazy yeah that's crazy um you know what i miss i miss the you know and i'm a little i'm a little you know i'm a step behind you yeah. uh, uh but you know i miss the there was there was a tight community you know, and you talk about, you know, Egyptian Lover. Yeah. And uh which by the way, I mean it's just like how game changing was that record when it came out. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I I can still picture some we were on the bus. I, I was in San Francisco, we were on the bus and somebody was playing it and the whole bus just like yeah. it was like a scene out of fame. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like everybody just started started bugging out to the song. Yeah. Um but uh but there was a time when you could walk out of your house and you're seeing, you know, the community of people that were making culture happen in real time. Right. You know what I mean? Every everywhere you went, you know, there was this producer and this DJ, and you know, I'm I bump into Battle Cat and I bump into you know whoever, right? And I I don't think that exists anymore. I, I think it's too big. It's no, too There's big. too many people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's too big. Um,
0: and and you know, like it's great that it's gotten to where it is but also like for me personally i miss that yeah. i miss feeling like there's a tribe that like we're all we're all kind of in it together
1: yeah and, and, and in small ways it is like every now and then people will get together you know like yeah i'm down with the stone throw crew yeah you know i'm down with the battle cats and them too as well so every now and then everybody gets together you know like we all man it was beautiful like at nam right before they shut everything down because of COVID. And it, no one knew COVID mm. was lurking in. Right. Like COVID, I went to CES and NAM, so it oh, was wow. there, and I didn't yeah, get it, yeah, thank yeah. God. But um, we did um, the, what was that, bowling alley out in uh, Orange County. There's a bowling alley out there. Oh, okay. And um, they had a DJ event, and I mean, everybody was there, dude. People were showing up. I was like, oh, what? Right. That fool walked in? And it was just amazing to see. Everybody in the house together. Yeah. You know, like spinning yeah, sure. and DJing and sure. stuff. So it was actually really cool. Yeah.
0: I mean I I had that at Tunes' Funeral. Yeah. Which is like, you know, it's a shame it has to be at a funeral. Yeah. But but it you know, to see everybody that you hadn't seen in twenty years. Yeah. yeah. like, you know, pick it pick it right back up. Yeah,
1: and I bumped into uh to Dub w- C at a concert in in uh Santa Ana and we were doing some with JJ Fad and he uh-huh. was there with Cube. I didn't catch Cube but uh dub c was there i bumped into him and then bumped into uh like uh mc8 and oh, a couple nice. other people that hadn't seen in like forever so yeah, yeah it was, it's cool yeah it's cool we get getting old yeah for sure
0: <laughs> For sure. all right i gotta do a little lightning round okay before i let you get out of here cool um what's your favorite city to travel to
1: uh sweden and japan so right down the middle 50 50 sweden and japan
0: Dope. uh those are two of my favorite places yeah um who's your favorite dj cubert yeah um you know that's another one right that you know he he just did shit that no one had thought of you talk about sly and oh Prince my god and like, dude yeah i tell Qbert. somebody
1: you know it's funny i was watching cubert do this event and I was with some people and i had to explain to them because they, they were like perplexed the way they were looking because what he was doing probably didn't sound good to them because they're sure. used to the D.Js doing the traditional scratches on the beat. I said, "You don't understand what he's doing right now. <laughs> he's like one third between this note and playing and like and he's bent like mm-hmm. it's like jazz what he's doing. Mm-hmm. and it may not it sound is. good to you, but if you know what you're listening to, right you know that that's impossible. <laughs> you know, and that's why I love that cat. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the last great book you read?
1: Man, the last great book I read, one of my father's books. I don't know if you know, my father wrote over 100 books. Oh, damn. Yeah, he was one of the most pro- prolific black authors. He was the editor of Players Magazine as well. Okay. So I had a very interesting childhood growing up with <laughs> nice. that. But But uh, I've been going back and reading his what, book. What's his name? Uh, Joe Nazel. Okay. And he wrote anything, any um book that had black in it he wrote it okay black exorcist black Gestapo, black cop uh yeah. you know actually he penned some of the stuff for uh iceberg slim some people say ah, iceberg my father worked for the same company that put out all the stuff for a lot of other okay. people but he was the guy that actually would sit down and and pen all that stuff and type it out for him and you know oh, turn it cool. into format yeah because a lot of these cats who made books They weren't writers, so my father was the one that did all that stuff. So I was gonna say my pops' books, not being biased, but yeah.
0: Is there a favorite one?
1: Um, my favorite one is still the he wrote like a little small one on Magic Johnson, and for me, I love the Lakers and Magic, and that's one of my favorite ones that he wrote. Nice, yeah,
0: that's cool. Um, you have to tell me about the Players Magazine stories Uh, all the time. (laughs) Uh, What movie have you seen the most in your life?
1: So that one is also split right down the middle, and it used to be just two, and now it's three, and people are going to think I'm, think I'm corny as hell. Um, it would be... One would be Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's my favorite movie of all time. The okay. Fool this dark and crazy. Yeah. The original one, not yeah, that yeah. new Michael the Jackson. Ver- not, the, not the Michael Jackson version. That's what I call the new one. <laughs> I look like Michael Jackson.
0: Um,
1: that, the fifth element, Uh huh. is just... So- the soundtrack, everything about that is, sure. is my thing. And then I'm just a Harry Potter head, dude. Is like, that right? I don't care when Harry Potter comes on TV. I will stop <laughs> what I'm doing to watch Harry Potter. Okay. And that's that's me. That's funny. Yeah.
0: She's in trouble right now, right? She said something. Oh that...
1: uh, yeah she she's on her own thing with the LGBT or transgenders and stuff. Man, my thing is, dude, let, just leave people alone. You know what I'm saying? We all on this planet. Leave people alone,
0: man. Let people do what they do. Yeah, but if, you know, but, but the thing is, like. And cuba got into some trouble too right yeah and so to me it's like well you don't have to say anything yeah that's right? what i'm saying just leave people alone
1: if, yeah. if, if okay if somebody if somebody come in my house and do something in my house or do something personally to me yeah or say something personally to me i'm gonna be eye like, right, i'm gonna deal with you personally right i'm not going to i can't speak on a group of people like me i can only give my opinion on black on what's going on to us, black people, sure. I can give my opinion. Right. I can be part of a movement, but I'm only a small part of it. Right. I'm not about to speak up on Hispanics. I'm not about to. I'm part. I always got a running joke too, and no, nobody get mad at me because I'm part American Indian too.
0: Okay.
1: So I'm like, I need my forty acres in the mule <laughs> and my casino. I need both. Like, can I get paid? You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I don't speak up on other people, and I think that's one of our biggest problems. You got people speaking up on other people. You know, I'm Catholic i go to church sometimes sometimes i went to cal school my whole life but you know whatever my values are those are my values right there's people around this world got different values there are other religions in this world that we don't understand because they do that religion am i supposed to be condemning them but you're saying they're wrong no that's their religion that's what they're about do they bother me no people are people man and once right. we get to the point
0: to where people leave people alone i think we'd be good but that's the that's a challenge right is like you give somebody you know you take a normal person and stick a camera in their face and all of a sudden they're acting like an authority yeah and we always have a camera in our face yeah right and so jk rowling or qbert or whatever feels and and everybody else too right. by the way like feels entitled to speak like they're an authority on something when it's just their opinion and it really who gives a fuck what you think
1: right and and i you know i even have my opinions on People you find out people have done things and then people just own them. Right. So I've always yeah, yeah. adopted certain things. Like some things were part of my life. Like Bill Cosby, that was part of my life growing up. The Cosby kids, the of course. Cosby show. Of course. Okay, it's so wrong with what he did. I like that Bill Cosby. <laughs> the Bill Cosby that he is now or the things that he did that I didn't know about until I yeah. found out, I don't like that Bill Cosby. Yeah. But I like that Bill Cosby. Yeah. You know, and you well, can't Well that's
0: the thing, it's like what are you supposed to I mean? we can talk about that all day right like you what are you supposed to go back to your child erase to to who you were as a child yeah and erase those because some of those things
1: influence who i was to the day like watching the cosby show i got messages and things out of that and you know and it's and even watching the fat albert there were messages in that the positive messages so people do negative things they need to pay for what they did that's fine yeah but like just leave people alone, <laughs> like races And I did a um thing <laughs> with you know I, I played in this little golf tournament with a LGBT friend of mine and some other people. And mm-hmm. people are just people, man. We play golf. Of Ain't course. nobody tripping on nobody, right? You know. And here's the other thing, especially. Then get back to race for one second. If you if you are a blatant racist and you claim you're a racist, then honestly, you need to be walking around this world butt naked with nothing because the cars that you drive, the clothes that you wear, the food that you eat. Everything about you and everything that you touch is by somebody that is not of your race. That's for sure. So if you were racist, how can you survive on this planet and utilize anything? Yeah. Because it's touched by people that aren't you. So just let it go. Give it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Yeah. Um, Okay. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability, what would it be?
1: To... In violence and racism, man, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to. To this day, I gotta watch my back, man. When it comes to just going out, people, you know, worry about my safety as a black man and, and in a nice car and in mm-hmm. a nice neighborhood. Like, just course, be careful. Yeah. yeah. Why should I have to be careful? That's but right. I do. Like, I've conditioned myself to dress a certain way, sure. to talk a certain way. When I walk into a store. Knowing that I got a ton of money in my pocket or can buy anything in the store, I still, I'll give you a perfect example. I went to Walmart and I had, you know, I got my birthday. I got some people coming through, whatever. I grabbed a bottle of alcohol and I'm walking around the store with a bottle. Of, I don't even drink. So this is for other people. I got a bottle of alcohol in my hand, but I'm looking at other stuff. I got to get, you know, some soap and some toothpaste. and some other. But I'm walking around with this bottle of alcohol and in the back of my head, I'm like, they're watching me i gotta make sure that i go take care of this because they're probably looking like is he gonna walk out with the alcohol right
0: right, right. i shouldn't
1: even have to think that way but they. i do yeah because i've been stopped before just walking around and somebody asks me can i help you what, what help me with what i'm buying stuff you know what are you buying like who are you like oh i'm undercover with the store like Man, what you get away from me, dude? I got, I, get, I you want to come work for me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, leave me alone.
0: I ain't do nothing. For sure, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I gotta ask. This is not part of my uh, lightning round. I yeah. forgot though. But you know, I, and I know you have a complicated history with it. But um, is there a favorite memory of Easy?
1: Yeah, I always tell this story, man, and, and and people don't know. Easy used to walk around with honey buns in his back pocket. you ever hear that one? <laughs> nah. Yeah, we used to. Uh, go do shows and easy of them cats they didn't like to stop nowhere like man let's just go and we'd be hungry like man can we stop get some food no 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 go ahead Let's we'll eat when we get there but he would take honey buns and put them in his back pockets like two or four of them had two in his back pocket and they would get all squished down like this but you hear that fool in the back of the van <laughs> like opening up honey buns like god damn man it's the craziest thing and that's that's, so that's what i remember I, the Other stuff I remember I can't talk about, right? Because <laughs> it's crazy, of course. But yeah,
0: I remember the pool parties and pool
1: parties. And just, that. that fool was crazy. Yeah. I'll tell you that he would—he wouldn't nobody be messed with. You know, as little as, he, as little as he was, he wouldn't nobody be messed with. Now, I met
0: him a few times, and uh, you know, the ruthless cats were, were friends of mine. And, yeah, and um, he's one of the few people that like. You know, he had no reason to pay me any attention whatsoever and he was just the coolest Oh, coolest you dude know. you want to meet, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I and, and I think, you know, uh I think him and his personality is a big part of why we are where we are today as far as rap music and and uh and culture. Yeah. I think easy uh and, and I'm and I'm not not to discre discount everybody else who contributed to that including you right right right, right? but i think his personality just the the, the hugeness yeah. of who he was you know uh you know changed the world
1: oh you did yeah for sure
0: um okay last one if i worked for you or if i was on your team when your startups whatever uh what's something i would hear you say over and over again
1: take care of your business <laughs> Honestly, take care of your. As a startup, you got to take care of your business because you can have a product, but if you don't have your business taken care of, your product will never come to light. Period. And that's that's the most important thing. I think people focus too much on getting the money and building a product. Well, where's your business model? Where's sure. your sustainability? Sure. Where's the marketing plan? Where is everything that goes into selling it? You can spend all this money. Okay, we are gonna go there. Magic leap. <laughs> oh, shit. let's talk about magically like I, I know some people over they there got? They what they got what like three billion dollars yeah and I've heard that they laid off a thousand people recently yeah. they're going under and hopefully they they've got another 350 million like who keep throwing money at that it's VR it's 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 augmented reality it's not like it's so, not they're putting people on the moon for three billion dollars crazy
0: um uh so okay I mean I'm with you yeah but there's some people that say, you know, you look at Facebook, you look at, um, you know, uh, whoever else, right? Who figured that business model out along the way? Yeah, and and that's that's one of the the mantras in Silicon Valley, right, or in the tech world, is like it's okay if you don't have all that figured out because right. build something great, you'll pivot, blah 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 blah. And so, how how do you balance those two?
1: Well, I do say this. I do say this. You know, in order to succeed, sometimes you got to fail. Mm-hmm. I believe in that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But in an informational technology that I mean, the information world that we live in, there is no reason that you can't take care of your business and have that. Like, yeah, you can figure it out as you go. Everybody right. does. Sure. I even do it to this day. But people forget about the business and just focus too much on that. And you know, I often talk about the Facebooks and Instagrams and the Snapchats in my talks with people, and I say this. Don't try to do too much in tech either, because as a startup, what are you trying to make? A product that's going to make you money, mm-hmm. right? Look at the biggest companies on this planet. Most of them, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, WeChat, you know, all of those all use the same exact thing. Right. Freaking text, Photos yeah. and video in different ways. Right. And they're all successful companies. They kept yeah. it simple. They figured out a market and attacked that market. If you do something that's too difficult or too, you know, too many appendages and things on it, it could be hard to sell. It could be a hard sell. The pet rock still sells to this day. <laughs> the slinky still sells to this day. The right. freaking Chia pet still sells to this day. Yeah. And, you know, you just gotta find a niche and roll with it
0: yeah yeah that's interesting and and, you know even bringing it back to music like I think of you know Run DMC rapping over a drum machine
1: boom too short you know know what I mean rapping Rapping over a beat yeah pretty much and a bass line that's it yeah Supersonic man when I did Supersonic yeah did two songs for 400 bucks (laughs) in the studio the girls weren't rappers just some friends of ours right I was working on my Professor X stuff and they just happened to be in the studio knocked out two songs in four hours all I had in the studio was a 808 drum machine and the Yamaha DX7, and that was supersonic. And to this day, it still sells for sure. Still, you know, like
0: who the, wrote that fast ass part of the rap?
1: Uh, the girls did. Oh, yeah. they wrote it, yeah. Oh, okay, and Wana, I think wanna wrote that whole style, and then heard in the uh, I mean, that the, was a game changer, game like right?
0: you know, you, no one ever heard somebody rap Do like that. that. And
1: then Eminem put it on Rap Guide.
0: Yeah. I was like, damn, all right, am. for sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing man those are great lessons yeah, dude so, thanks for sharing this with me man no, thanks for so having so me
1: uh, it's, it's cool to walk like right next door oh uh, yeah no <laughs> doubt well let's
0: do it again man yeah. I'd, I'd love to um, how how's everybody find you online
1: uh, OG Arabian Prince on social you know and then my um, company is Innovate Next I-N-O-V the number 8 N-E-X-T dot com and then we got the new COVID tech thing but I'm out there man I, you know launching video game products and tech products doing a lot in esports so I'm in, I'm out there
0: and for, like, small businesses that want to get involved with tech, how Tech, yeah. how does that work?
1: Just reach out to Covatech.us okay. That's us. Dope. Yeah. Dope. Thank you, man. Cool. Appreciate it.
0: Yo, that was Arabian Prince on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Leave us a comment. Hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook at Rebel Radio Net. You can leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, you can come back next week if you want to hear more Rebel Radio. Peace.